Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have four Texas teachers on to find out exactly what is happening with education and the virus in, in Texas. I am thrilled to have Paul Fillingham, Josh Hill, Chris Turner, and Kyle Nichols. So uh, Josh, I'm gonna start with you. Tell me about, just a little bit about yourself and what you teach. Yeah, uh, I'm a theater teacher with Houston ISD. Uh, I have a, this was my first year teaching. I have a MFA in playwriting from Columbia University and an MS in theater education from uh, City College, City University of New York. Great. Chris, tell me about yourself. Um, I am a theater teacher as well at uh, Wichita Falls High School. Um, this is my second year teaching in uh, Texas. Before that, I taught a year in uh, the Bronx. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in acting from the University of Hartford and um, an MS in education from City College in theater education. Um, for teaching, I, it was a career change. I worked in Hollywood for about 12 years, uh, and then I oh. decided to be a, a teacher, so. Wow, from Hollywood to teaching, I get it. <laughs> All right, Kyle, tell me about yourself. Uh, this will be my ninth year teaching. I currently work at Marshall ISC. Uh, I have a bachelor's from theater from Texas Tech, and in two weeks, I'll have my master's from commerce in theater. Excellent, and Paul, tell me about yourself. Uh, I currently teach at Reagan High School. This will be my fourth year there, but my seventh year teaching in Texas. I have my BFA in acting also from Texas Tech University and my <laughs> master's in directing um, from Texas State. Well, I'm so excited to have theater teachers on because I too am a theater teacher. So it's great to hear that. So first of all, let's, I'm just gonna throw this out there. What is happening in Texas? Uh, Kyle, let's start with you because this is your ninth year teaching in Texas. So tell me about, first of all, what's happening with COVID, and I want to hear a little bit about what they're expecting from you at this point. Okay, so uh, as we know uh, from the news, everyone is kind of up in arms, and people are saying that we should stay home, we should get back to work. Uh, really, it's kind of changed how this whole school year is going to start. I mean, I know a lot of teachers. Um, that I know personally are thinking of not coming back. Uh, we, I've joined a lot of message boards and Facebook groups where teachers are so terrified of coming back, they're writing their wills or just giving up. And um, we're just kind of in a weird place with our state education association and with the higher government kind of butting heads and um, yeah, it, it's a weird time. I think we can all agree it's a weird, scary time. So that's what's going on. So Paul, tell me about your experience right now. So right now, um, I think what I've experienced the most is a lot of, we're going to do this. No, just kidding. Now we're going to do this. Um, it, it seems to change like nearly daily. Um, we've heard conflicting things from when we're, you know, we were supposed to start Normally, where the kids were going to have a choice whether or not to start in person or online. And then now, at least my district has gone to where the first three weeks 
will be online for certain and all school activities have been suspended until September 7th. That's where we are right now. Um, there's conflicting reports whether or not teachers have to report to campus to do their teaching or if they can stay home and do their teaching. I think the biggest thing that I'm hearing, and maybe this is just cause I have um, two children, six and seven years old, uh, who will be going back to school. And the big concern is how am I to teach school all day because we're expected to be, you know, period by period, in person, in class. How am I supposed to teach all day uh, with my husband working in the next room while also making sure my students who are ADHD and young, making sure that they're on task all day while also online trying to make sure that my students are on task all day. Um, and there hasn't been a whole lot of guidance uh, about that, but again, I, you know, I, I hesitate to 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 place blame on anyone because I think everyone is just flying by the seat of their pants at this point, and and I don't think that anybody really does have concrete answers at this point. Right, we don't have answers in New York either. I'm I, I'm I, I'm most curious right now because uh, today on the news you, you came out with nine thousand. COVID cases. And from what I'm seeing there, um, you know, Texas opened up a lot earlier than they, it was, it was supposed to. So um, I'm, you know, I, so I'm curious about how you guys are protecting yourself also, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Josh, coming from, um, coming from New York and getting into Texas, tell me what that experience has been like for you. Cause you went, you basically went from the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a native Texan and I came back because after doing my student teaching in New York schools, I didn't like how theater is taught there. Uh, there's a lot less support and Texas has so much theater support. I'm in a little different boat than the rest of these guys because I'm in the biggest school district in Texas and there hasn't been a lot of different plans or anything going around. We were told on July 15th, you will know what's happening. On July 15th, we know what's happening. Um, we're reopening virtually. We've pushed back the school year to um, much closer to like a Northeastern school year where we come in on the 24th virtually for our PDs and the students come in after Labor Day. And the first six weeks are absolutely virtual. How that will work, our school's really fortunate because we were already a digital school. Everybody has laptops assigned to them already. They're familiar with them. There's nobody in the school who does not have access to internet or laptops provided by the school. Um, and so the question is how more of, for me, how are classes going to function? Because we are on a block schedule and I think we're like going off of that for virtual teaching. And then are we gonna come back? Like what is the threshold for coming back? Because it's, we, the superintendent has said, we're gonna look at this ongoing on October 19th is the first day back for students, maybe. So we could end up virtual all semester and parents have the option to opt out of any in-person teaching at any point. Uh, so, but we're, we're in a much safe, like there's more cases, but we're much safer because we are not expected to be at the school. Everything has already gone virtual. It has been declared as such. Got so it. yeah, that's where okay. we're at. So Chris, tell me about you. Where are you at with going back? I have no idea. And um, our superintendent at the board meeting last week, uh, he made a decision that he, at that board meeting last, um, last Tuesday, he was going to create a task force of teachers, students, parents, and business owners 
to decide whether or not we go to school or not. And then we're going to make a decision on August 10th, I think it is. Okay. And we start school on the 14th. Um, so we'll have about three, four days to plan whatever is happening. Right. Um, it looks like more than likely we're going to end up just having, they talked at the meeting that the only protection we're really going to get is masks. Um, I was watching a football practice today and not a single person on the field had masks anywhere in the city. Right. Um, right. Nobody's wearing masks in the city. It's, it's. Um, so how so, do you feel? Yeah. I mean, how are you feeling about going back? I feel terrified. That sounds terri I was going to say it sounds terrifying. My dad is very highly susceptible to catching it. And so if I go back, I won't be able to see my family for a year because I don't want to get anybody in my family. Like who knows if I might be an ace of, um, have it and not know and then go and I don't want, I don't want to pass it around to my father. And so I'm going to have to go a whole year without seeing my family, which is horrible. And I don't want to get sick. Um, you know, what's going to happen, you know, every, I, I'm, I think about this, I, I wake up every day from nightmares and just like sweats thinking about what's going to happen because it's looking more and more on like 90% chance we're just going to go back to school as nothing happened. No social distancing. I'm, my, my theater teacher is a dumping ground for all the kids who have nowhere to have no, don't have an elective. So I have about 50 kids in all my theater one classes. I teach about five of them. So I have 300 students a day. Um, and I, and in the max capacity for my room is 25 kids. Um, and so having double the amount of, and, and there's no way they're going to have any, any sort of social distancing or anything like that. So it's terrifying and it's probably what's going to happen. So. Right. And so Kyle, you were talking about people writing their wills. Like what, what, tell me your thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, this number came out today. A third of the educators in this country are over 50. And they are the one of the most susceptible groups for COVID. So, I mean, you, you hear that people are writing wills and, and you're like, wow, that's extreme. Well, no, it's, it's really not. I mean, I'm gonna echo Chris. Uh, we're, we are a 1500 um, kids school, we're a 5A. Uh, there's no way to social distance. We have, kids in our communities and everyone's communities who are going to refuse to wear masks or something that is around town, they wear the masks, but not over the nose, which drives me crazy because that doesn't, you know, do anything, but back to the wills. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy to hear that people are writing their wills, but I mean, I've talked about it with my wife and I'm not really worried about myself, but my wife has a compromised immune system. Uh, I live very close to our in-laws and they're both over 60 and uh, my mother-in-law has a compromised immune system. So it's weird to hear that people are writing wills, but it's, I mean, it, it is what it is. And it's really indicative of how scared people are to go back. Do you guys, I mean, do you have a union that's fighting for you in Texas? I mean, you're all in different de districts, but no, so there is no union, there's no union in Texas? I, I have a union in Houston. They're, okay. they're hamstrung more than teachers unions elsewhere are because we can't strike in Texas. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's uh, against state law. Any teachers who strike will lose all of their pension, no matter how many years it is, they'll lose their certification because Texas sees us as state employees. But I have um, Houston Federation of Teachers, which is a part of the American Federation of Teachers, and they are 
because I'm in a very different situation. Houston ISD is its own government agency. It doesn't answer to the mayor. It doesn't answer to anybody but the superintendent and the board that they have a lot more success in like going for things like pay increases and stuff like that, but they're still not, I think, I think they are a big factor in why we're going completely virtual because I know they have been pushing for that, but nobody really, except for Houston, maybe El Paso, maybe a couple of other really big cities, there's no union presence with teachers in Texas at all. So basically they're asking you as teachers to just walk into <laughs> a situation where your life is at stake and yeah. there's, there's no one to protect you. And the scary thing is, and I, we're all theater teachers, and I'm sure we see it with our, like, on the online communities, there are plenty of teachers who are absolutely willing to walk into a school at full capacity with no mask on because they don't think it's an issue. At the end of last year, because UIL got cut short, there were a lot of teachers who were very vocal about still wanting to perform when the state shut down the schools and teachers talking about well, we'll get our students together in backyards or in somebody's house. And for, for all the teachers who are concerned and for all the teachers who are organized and want answers and have plans, there are probably half the teachers in Texas just want to go back to school, just want to ignore it. So wait a minute, let me just get this straight. So there are teachers, I'm just, I'm so shocked because every teacher I've talked to so far in this podcast, which has been a lot of teachers, nobody wants to go back like everybody's scared so you're telling me that there's teachers out there who really want to go back and they 100%. want to go back without masks and they yeah. want to have full classrooms yep yes mm -hmm. when yep. we had when we had our online voting for how the teachers at my particular campus felt about five or ten teachers in a three thousand student campus for my high school voted five they felt five being the highest comfortable going back on a full schedule so I mean, how do you do this? I mean, how are you all going to do this right now is my question. I mean, you have fam you obviously have families, you know, this is your job and you know, it's not like it's easy to get another job. Like, what do you, what, what are you gonna do? Well, I'll say piggybacking on the will thing, that is absolutely something my husband and I are doing. We've been talking about who will be the godparents to our children in a very real way um because we basically have no choice if i have to go back um our only real support system are you know my parents uh who we have been quarantined very very tightly uh so as have they so they can help us with our children um and so if i have to go back again like what chris was saying i can't see my parents they're both uh they both have their uh 69th birthdays within like a month uh, and I'm not going to risk their health, um, but it's requiring me to risk my children's health and my husband's health and my health. Um, and so we have no choice but to get a will together and to make sure that we're prepared. My husband works for Wells Fargo, um, and he works in the safety deposit box unit. Um, and, you know, the different things, and he used to be a branch manager. And so you know, I've seen and heard firsthand what happens when people don't have their affairs in order and someone dies outside of, of COVID, but all the different things that go. So we're very aware of it. And my parents have been putting me on their bank accounts and things like that. 
just to make sure that if the worst happens, that we're prepared and we don't want to add to the stress of what could already be a horrific situation. But this is not right. Like, this is not normal. Teachers should not be like, you should not be like risking your lives right now for this. I mean, I just need to let you know that there is a national teachers movement, national education, not, not, Natu National Educators United. I'm just tripping over myself because I'm so upset for you right now. Um, uh, National Teachers United are, it's a, it's a nationwide organization that's organizing teachers. Whether or not you have a union behind you, there are teacher groups that you can get involved with. I just, you know, but the fact that Texas is, it, you, you lose your pension if you strike, I just, I'm such at a loss for words. Normally I would, you know, be, be able to like, try to figure out solutions, but what do you do with that? So how are you, like, so how are you walking into your classroom then? So how are you protecting your, your, your students? Are you, can you require masks in the classroom or are they saying it's not required? Oh, I think I'm lucky because I'm in San Antonio and we have a pretty progressive mayor, Ron Nuremberg, who's been, you know, he's gone toe to toe with Greg Abbott on with the early openings and all of that but I, I can speak in san antonio i see masks pretty much everywhere um i think probably josh in houston it's probably more so but you know with the smaller towns like when i drive from here to lubbock to where my parents are if we get out at a convenience store or anywhere to get gas i'll be the only one with a mask yeah or my kids will be the only one with a mask like and we get looked at like we're insane Right. What about you, Kyle? What is it going to be like walking back into your classroom? Well, we are a significantly smaller. We're we're not big and fancy like Houston or San Antonio. <laughs> uh, so, um, what what it's going to look like is, from what we hear, masks are going to be required, and um, uh, it's posted on our school website. Here's what it's going to be. There's going to be hand sanitizing stations, um, social distancing. Uh, don't know what that means at this point and masks will be required and how they're going to enforce it they gave us three steps and they said the first time you write a PRO which is kind of like a write-up but not really uh, the second time is they have to buy a mask and the third time they get to go home for six weeks nine weeks whatever it is they have to go home um, what it's gonna look like realistically um, I love my students, but a lot of them are very much the mindset of America, freedom, you know, and I foresee a lot of kids just not wearing masks or, like I said earlier, the under the nose, which does nothing or just, you know, not, not complying, but right. I think a majority will. But there will be that handful, and that's any school district. Right. And what about you, Chris? What is it going to look like for you? Uh, well, I mean, they're going to require masks. Who knows if the kids are going to do it? Like, we have such a hard time getting the kids to put their cell phones away, let alone wear masks. Like, you know, there are rules for cell phones, but the administration is never there to help you deal with them. So masks, we don't need even more of an issue. So it's going to be a lot of policing of masks. So I'm not planning on doing that. I don't want to spend all day just telling people to put their masks on. So I'm planning to protect myself and I'm basically building myself a little fort in my desk. I built like a, I'm getting like some plexiglass and I'm building a, um, like a sneeze guard and I'm going to have a, a mask and I'm going to have a sneeze guard on my face 
and I'm going to treat my classroom like it's virtual, even though we're in class. All my students have Chromebooks, everything's online. We're gonna have a virtual class in my classroom. Got it. So tell me, let's let's talk for a second about, um, let's talk about what a theater classroom is gonna look like right now. So Josh, tell me what that's gonna look like for you. Um, virtually, I'm not sure at the very moment because um, we've kind of, I have another teacher at my school. Uh, we're co-leads of the department. So we're trying to figure out how we, we wanna kind of have a philosophical underpinning of how it works for everybody. So it's not like my classes are doing one thing and her classes are doing another. But when we do come back, and I think we will end up coming back, um, I have the ability, my, my shop opens up onto where students eat outside. So I'm gonna have most of my tech classes outside. The kids will just have to deal with the heat because uh, it's better than being dead. Um, and my production classes will be, um, my plan is because i'm doing the first two shows of the season that we will wait till after we come back from virtual to do any shows but i've already decided that will be an audio only um production we're looking at doing a, a world premiere play from one of my friends for the first show and then not sure what the second show will be because it'll be in production class but that classroom will be very much small groups working during their class time when they're not rehearsing working on putting together their own audio productions every two weeks or three weeks so that it can be small groups they don't have any reason to be moving around too much that they can and that they can kind of work a little bit more independently if they want to so it makes social distancing a little easier because a group can go into the hallway or they can go outside or they can go right. to the cafeteria so that's what that's kind of what my initial plan is now and then we see how that works out great so let me ask you the other three um what uh, what are your what are they expecting like are any of your uh, administration expecting you to put on full productions right now still with this no but we will because i have like last year i think i have i have 12 kids going into either bfa acting or musical theater programs so i have a large number of students that are trying to pursue theater in college uh, which complicates things because they wait for their senior year to get those big shows on their resume to lead them into college. And I'm sure colleges will be, you know, sympathetic to the plight that we're all in. However, uh, we have decided, and I haven't announced this to my students yet, we are this week, uh, but we're taking our first show, Midsummer Night's Dream, at Shakespeare. Uh, so we're going to do it virtually. Uh, we're going to have them film it in their rooms over Zoom. We're coming up with ways to make that work. We're supposed to do the Crucible next. We're going to hold off and kind of see what we can do with that. Um, but we're, you know, we're, we will do our shows. Uh, so now, it'll be like, so it'll be like, I saw Tichuba not wearing her mask, right? For, oh, sorry, that's <laughs> I know, that's right? Crucible right? <laughs> 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 joke, sorry. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, you know, we're going to do our shows now. When we get to our, we're supposed to do Anastasia this year for our musical. Uh, when we get to the musical, that's a different deal. I don't see us, one, getting the rights to do that virtually, or two, that seems like almost an impossible feat uh, to really make work. Um, but for our first two plays, um, the first one for sure will be virtual. The second one, we're just going to kind of wait and see uh, and hope for the best. Um, but right. yeah, but they're not, there's no one has said to me, like, you must get a show on its feet. Well, like good. nobody's what, what about you, Kyle? Well, um, you know, just like Paul, no one said, don't do this or do this. But we are planning on doing a fall show. 
Uh, we're going to do Laramie Project because that is something that you can do social distancing um, or via Zoom. Uh, right now, we're planning on doing it Zoom unless we Texas has some amazing turnaround in COVID numbers and like a miracle cure comes out. But we're also going to do Laramie Project Zoom. Uh, one act, yeah. yeah, one act, we have no idea. Um, yeah. yeah. And Chris, what about you? Um, I mean, we have no idea what's going on because we don't make any decisions yet, but it's on my contract. I have to do four shows a year. Um, so I'm going to do four shows a year just in case. So um, for Christmas, we're going to do Christmas Carol as a radio show. Um, and then for Halloween, our October show, we're going to do um, Spoon River Anthology. And my plan is to either do it uh, via Zoom, and we can put some cool, uh, we record it, and I do some cool ghost effects and after effects, whatever, and make it kind of, and put some, like, scary backgrounds and stuff. Or my big plan, what I want to do is um, go to the park, turn it into a cemetery, and do a socially distanced version of Spoon River Anthology for Halloween, so. That's great. I mean, this is why I love theater teachers so much, is that, um, you know, of any teacher anywhere, you are the most, you know, you are the most, um, you have the best ideas of what to do during this, the most creative ideas, how to take something that's difficult and turn it into something beautiful. And, you know, I just, it's what I love to do as a theater teacher. And it's what I admire. And we can always count on the theater teachers to figure these things out. Um, we're going to be wrapping it up, but I just want to um, say to all of you that, you are brave souls and I wish you all the best going back into the classroom. And I, I'm going to, I want to circle back on you in a couple months, if you don't mind. I want to hear how things are working out with you. I, um, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on and being this honest with us. I think the world needs to hear what teachers are going through and that you're still dedicated to being a teacher despite your life. And that is incredible. And um, I thank you for that. So I just, once again, thank you, Paul and Kyle and Josh and Chris for being on the Warriors of Education podcast. And I will, um, you know, if there's any links you want to post about your, your stuff, your shows, so that people can see your stuff online, I will post that too on the podcast. So thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. Thank you. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.